Hey, this is Micah Bosworth. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint, and this is our sermon podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this is an encouragement to you. Hope it helps to build your faith. And I hope it helps you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. Well, are you there in Ephesians chapter 2? All right, we're going to read uh, verses 11 through 22. Just finish out the chapter this morning. Um, and as we've, uh, as we've really looked at, of course, we said the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians are kind of deeply theological and ideological, uh, and we're trying to make some practical implications and applications along the way, uh, but just uh, I-, I wanted to say I appreciate uh, you putting your thinking caps on today, all right, because we're going to look at a few things that we have to understand really the animosity and the background and the history of what the difference was between Gentiles and Jews. And so to do that, we're going to look at a, a few different uh, things about Judaism and, uh, and about the relationship between the two. And I hope that, uh, I hope that you, you put your thinking caps on and that we've opened our hearts and minds just to hear from God today. I believe that uh, he will speak to us in a great and an encouraging and even a challenging way this morning uh, as we go through our passage. So Ephesians chapter 2 and starting in verse 11... The Bible says this, it says, wherefore, so everything that he talked about, we talked about last week and the fact that you are saved by grace and you are uh, sustained by grace to continue to live unto good works, all of that, wherefore, because of all of that, because of God's grace, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time... Ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. For, though him, for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father." Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit." Let's go to our God in prayer, and then we'll dive right into the thought this morning that we are no longer strangers. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, passage of Scripture. Lord, we thank you for your word and uh, the just the the gift, Lord, that it truly is that you have inspired it and given it to us to be able to learn who we are in you, and Lord, how that might uh, be lived out even in this day and this week and in our families. And God, I pray that this morning 
for those of us who just need encouragement, would you give us that through your word? And for those of us who need correcting and, uh, Lord, rebuke, would you do that today through the preaching of your word? And God, I just pray that however you desire to speak through us, may every word that comes out of my mouth just flow from you straight to us, your people. And Lord, give us what we need this morning to be able to live more for you this week as we walk with you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. To, uh, <clears throat> to get started this morning, I, I'm gonna ask a question. I want a little bit of, of dialogue, okay, if you're comfortable with that. Uh, and if you're not comfortable with that, it's gonna happen anyway. So, uh, but here's the question, okay? Our world, our world that we live in, unified or divided? What would you say? divided it's definitely divided right almost uh all of us would just look at the world and say yeah we're we're divided uh it's divided but let's think about maybe some ways that we divide ourselves um what are some ways that we divide ourselves can someone give me an example of one of the ways that we as humans divide ourselves anyone want to give an example okay yeah saved and unsaved and ultimately that's the dividing line, and we're going to come to that. But um, even more so, let's 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 get real this morning. All right, uh, I I knew someone was going to give the spiritual answer, and I'm glad it was Darren. All right, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but what are some ways we divide ourselves today? Think about it. Someone give me an answer. What? Politically, yeah, I'm Republican, I'm Democrat, I'm Libertarian, I'm nothing, right? Whatever the case might be, we divide ourselves politically, and my side's right and your side's wrong, or whatever the case might be, and you're thinking of that. What's another way that we divide ourselves? Racially, Racially yes. Yeah, we, uh, we see ourselves as uh, Caucasian, African American, Native American, uh, Mexican, whatever the case might be, our race or our skin color, we, we divide upon those things, and the Bible definitely talks about different cultures. It, it definitely talks about uh, uh, one day, I love how it says, one day all cultures, tribes, and tongues are going to be gathered in unity together, singing and lifting up the name of Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father. But the Bible does tell us that God made one race, the human race, and yet we like to divide ourselves this way and look and divide the one race that God made, uh, we, we like to break that up into other races what's another way that we divide ourselves what's that religion yeah for sure this is my belief about god this is your belief about god or uh some people in in, in the earth might say well these are my gods and those are your gods and uh we divide ourselves by religion we we divide ourselves even in religions to other sects of that religion i think of denominations even in christianity and uh we we think of ourselves as well i'm i'm one i'm i'm non-denominational which is a denomination all right and then there's there's baptists okay and then what kind of baptists there's missionary baptists and independent baptists and southern baptists and free will baptists and goodness we baptists need to get ourselves together right but uh man we just divide ourselves okay upon uh, uh every little uh thing uh and some of those some of those i'm 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 thankful for, for distinctions and we'll i'll talk about that a little bit at the end of the message I, i'm thankful for distinctions and what i am and who i am uh and, and i'm not going to shy away from saying that i am those things but ultimately those divisions uh, are are man-made, all right? And, and I want us to see that this morning. There are uh, even some that are petty. I, I, I think some people, they divide themselves on sports teams. And this is a big thing in the South. I, I grew up in Oklahoma, and like, this is... This is a thing you don't joke about, all right, down in the South. You don't say, you don't make jokes about Alabama and Auburn and things like that. You don't make jokes about the Oklahoma Sooners or the Oklahoma State Cowboys. You don't make jokes about that when you go down close to the South because that's actually a dividing line uh, for some people. And, uh, and 
We, we do this in, in so many different ways. Financial status, educated and un, uneducated, and uh, bachelors and masters. And, and we look at ourselves through sometimes those lenses rather than the lens that we truly should. Well, why do we do this? Well, the truth is because as humans, we're self-destructive. We, we are. And uh, the truth is that because of sin, mankind, mankind likes to make distinctions where God has not made a distinction. And we like to unify ideas where God has made a distinction. <laughs> uh, because of sin, uh, we like to take the human race, the thing that God has not made a distinction over, and, and distinct, make distinctions of it. And then we like to take things like male and female that God has made distinct and unify them and say there is no distinction, right? That just because of sin... We, as mankind, seem to do these things. But the truth is, we do all of this because of pride. We like to think, well, they're out and we're in. Uh, I'm right and they're wrong and so many other sentiments. Uh, but ultimately, this is the thinking of those that are in Adam. It is a thinking of those who are in sin. There is always a power struggle with those who are in Adam. Remember, we talked about those who are not saved are in Adam. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Those of us who know Jesus Christ are no longer in Adam. We are now adopted into the new family in Christ, all right? And th this power struggle and thinking is a thinking of those who are in Adam. And uh, the only way to win that power struggle is to show that you are superior to another. And so we tend toward alienating other people rather than communing with other people. But what we need to see as we travel through our passage today is that because of Jesus, there is no longer alienation, but reconciliation. There's no longer alienation, but reconciliation. And, I, I, and just in case, uh, I, I don't remember to say this later, I want to say it now. As we go through the passage I want us to stand in awe and wonder that Jesus' work on the cross did more than just reconcile us to God. It, it reconciled us to other people as well. Uh, within this passage, there, there's both a vertical application that we'll see and a horizontal application. Um, and there's a personal application and there's a corporate application. So as, you, as we look at the passage, you'll kind of see applications that is me to God, that's a personal vertical application, but then there's also the personal horizontal application of me and other people, and then there's also, because of us being fitly framed together, as it says toward the end of our passage, there's an us and God application, and then there's an us and other people application that we're going to see as we travel through this. So, let's just see some of this by diving right into the first thought that Paul wants us to see, which is this. In verses 11 through 13, Paul really just says this. Hey, we were out, but now we're in. In Christ, we were out. And specifically, he's making a distinction about Gentiles, okay? And we're going to look at that. But we were out, now we're in. Wherefore, because you were all saved by God's grace through faith, I want you to remember this. Those of you who were Gentiles, he's making a distinction. Remember, you were an outsider, you were an outsider. You were outsiders and strangers to the promises of God. Some of the ways that he distinguishes how Gentiles were outside, uh, uh, outsiders and they weren't in was it says they were Gentiles in the flesh. That, that's ethnic division. There was a, a, a division between Jews and Gentiles uh, in their ethnicity. There was uh, the uncircumcision and the circumcision, which is a physical division, but also uh, because of what that signified for the children of Israel, that was a religious division. 
the, of, of, between Gentiles and, and Jews. Uh, it says they were without Christ. They, they were divided spiritually. Um, be, they were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. They're, they were politically divided from the Jews. Uh, strangers from the covenant. This was a familial division from the Jews. Uh, having no hope, emotional division. And uh, without God, that's, that's like no help. They were uh, practically divided from the, uh, the nation of Israel. And it's, it's important to note, though, that as we see all of this division, they weren't separated because God hated them. Okay, that we, it wasn't, here's the Jews, here's the nation of Israel, and those are the Gentiles because God hates the Gentiles. That's, that's not at all why they were separated. Uh, God's plan has always been for everybody to come to him. Even when God chose Abraham uh, at the beginning and, be, and started to make a great nation of him, what did he say to Abraham? He said, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, right? So even from the very beginning, God's plan was that all nations would come to know his glory. Uh, I, I see it, really the, the separation that I would make, uh, uh, the distinction here is, I see it this way. I see what the Gentiles were in the Old Testament divided and, and they didn't have the hope of the promises of land and a king and all of that. Uh, I see it, kind of like what we call today as an unreached people group, okay? And what I mean by that is, it's not that God hates those people, right? People in this world that live today that have never heard the gospel and there has never been a gospel presentation or a Bible or anything like that in their language, they're not in that state because God hates them. They're in that state because no one that they know knows Jesus. No one that they know knows Jesus. And uh, so, they, the reality is just that they are separated from God because of how they grew up and who they grew up around. Uh, so, so because God was doing something in the nation of Israel, those who were outside of the nation of Israel were just kind of growing up in a state where, a, 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 well, a state of living that was just divided from knowing those things. They, they didn't know. The Gentiles, for the most part, were excluded from even citizenship uh, Though some were proselytes to Judaism, and uh, but as a whole, they were excluded. Um, they they were excluded in, in all these ways we just talked about. But they were outsiders. They they were out, and so too were we. Okay, this is this is where the application comes in. Just as the Gentiles were separated from uh, all, knowing the blessings, and they were strangers to the promises of God that He had been given. So too were we before we knew Christ. We were separated and strangers to the promises of God and to the family of God and to his blessings. But what Paul is telling them is, hey, that's what was the case. Just because of how you grew up and how God had chosen Israel and, and really, I, I would say some of it too was on the was the fault of Israel, and we'll see that in just a moment, that they had become all of about separation. But, uh, but Paul says that's what, how it was. But now, okay, there's key words there, but now in Christ Jesus, you are brought near, you are made nigh by the blood of Christ. So that, you were out, okay? Just because of where you were in life, you were out, but God made a way that through the blood of Jesus Christ, you could be in, all right? Now, here's where the problem 
lied. And, and, and really, even in, in the time of the Ephesians, here's where the problem lied. The Jews had taken this privilege that they had to be the ones that God chose to use so far that they had brought, it, it had brought them to a point of nationalistic pride. Uh, in, in fact, the distinctions that they began to make were beyond exclusive and became ridiculously divisive. One man said it this way, a study of the history of the ancient world tells us that none of today's social distinctions, none of our racial barriers, narrow nationalisms, none of our iron curtains, none of our socially constructed divisions among humanity are more exclusive or unrelenting than the separation between Jews and Gentiles in biblical times. The Jews believed the Gentiles were created to fuel the fires of hell. A common motto in the Jewish world was the best of serpents, crush, the best of Gentiles, kill. It was not lawful to help a Gentile woman give birth, for that would bring another heathen into the world. The collision, uh, the, the, uh, collision of Gentile and Jewish exclusiveness was monumental. The Gentiles were dogs in Jews, Jewish minds. And Jews were homicidal enemies of the human race in Gentile terms. Did you hear all that? Like some, some Jews literally believed that there was only one reason that God created non-Jews, and that was to make hell hotter. That, that was what many of them believed, that, that it was to kindle or stoke the fires of hell. Uh, it was forbidden for people of Jewish t- descent to marry a Gentile. In fact, Many, if their daughter or their son, a Jewish son or daughter, married a Gentile, that very same day, the family would hold a funeral for that son or daughter. They were just dead to them if they married a Gentile. Many Jews, they wouldn't even pass a Gentile on the street. Uh, If they saw one coming, they, they would take a different path. They saw them as so unclean that there was a line of thinking that if a Gentile shadow literally darkened something, that thing became unclean. And if a Gentile shadow passed over you in any way, you were ceremonially unclean and thus had to go through the ceremonial, the ceremony, ceremonially wash. Uh, you had to go and wash yourself, okay, through their ceremonies in order to fulfill, sometimes you just get tongue-tied, right? In order to fulfill their further Jewish responsibilities. And here's why this is such a big deal. Because Paul says, Hey, Jesus' blood, okay, the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, it brought you near to God the Father. You were out, but now you're in. But it also brought you near to each other. Uh, and, and this is where we get the next thought, the next few verses where Paul basically says this. Hey, we were separated, now we're integrated, okay? You were out, now you're in. We were separated, now we're integrated, now we're to, to commune together. Paul emphasizes the unity of the Gentile and Jew in four ways through verses 14 through 18. He says, uh, who hath Jesus, who hath, both, uh, who hath made both one. Then he says, one new man, both unto God in one body. And both have access by one spirit. Do you see all those words in there that consistently show the unity that should come together between Gentiles and Jews? Man, I I love it because uh, 
What Paul is saying here when he's using this word one and he's saying that Jesus is our peace and that he's made both Gentiles and Jews one, it's like, it's like when two people get married, all right? And uh, biblically, marriage is not necessarily her joining his family or him joining her family, but that he and her are leaving and cleaving, the Bible teaches, and starting one new family, all right? That's the idea here is that uh, the Gentiles aren't becoming Jews in order to be Christians, uh, and the Jews aren't just forsaking everything that they lived in and believed in and becoming Gentiles in order to be Christians. It's that both Gentiles and Jews could now together be one new entity, which is Christian in Christ. Uh, Jesus was making one new people group. In the church, uh, they were one new single entity Christians. And, And this is a big deal for a couple of reasons. First of all, Judaism had become a religion that was all about separation. All about separation. Uh, you could not sit in a synagogue like we're sitting in church, sitting in church today. Uh, they would have, in a synagogue, they would have uh, one side, all the males would sit on one side, all the females, all the women would stand, uh, sit on another side, and then anyone else who wanted to be a part of the uh, service in a synagogue who was not of Jewish descent, but they were interested in maybe converting to Judaism or they had converted to Judaism, there was a separate room for them that, that they had to be in. It was just completely... Uh, segregated in that way. Then you have the Temple Mount. When you look at how the Temple Mount was constructed, and specifically we're going to look at Herod's temple, but if you look at uh, the Temple Mount and how it was constructed, you can tell that right in here is the uh, many of the courts that we're just going to see in another one, but do you see this whole court out here and what it says right here? Gentiles courtyard, okay? There was the court of the Gentiles, And the Gentiles could not go past this four-foot wall that was here any closer to the Holy of Holies, where uh, the presence of God uh, laid. And then uh, getting closer, okay, then you get closer to in that uh, part, there's the court of the Gentiles, and then any Jews that uh, wanted to go in could go in a little bit farther than the Gentiles, but the women couldn't go any farther than the women's court. Then there was what was called the court of Israel, Israelites court. It was around here that any Jewish man could then be in the court of Israel. And then past the court of Israel was then places that the priests could go, the court of the priests. And then further than just the priests was the high priest that only once uh, a, a very exclusive particular time of the year could he then go even into the Holy of Holies where the very presence of God was. And, and so the, what I want us to know, what, what I really want us to see with this is mainly this. The Jewish religion had, had pretty much come to a, this idea. There was always someone who could get closer to God than you could. Okay, that, that's really what it, it come down to. Gentiles, they can only get so close to God and uh, they can get this close, but not this close. Uh, Jewish women can get this close, but they can't get this close. And unless you're a high priest, you couldn't get this close. And some of the priestly things was, very, was because of a very, uh, it was commanded of God on how things should be done. But, uh, but the whole idea of dividing all of this had become uh, the fact that Ju- 
Judaism had just, had just become uh, divisions uh, of, of who could get closer to God. And what's funny is, just a side note, is that um, Paul, who wrote this letter, uh, of, to the Ephesians, if you remember in our study of the book of Acts, why is he on house arrest in Rome writing this letter to the Ephesians? Well, if you remember, uh, he was talking to an Ephesian, a Gentile, in the court of the Gentiles, and they thought when they saw him talking to an Ephesian that he was bringing Gentiles past the divide that they were supposed to go into, and because that was such an egregious sin, they started to attack him and all the craziness took place in, J- in Jerusalem. He ended up getting arrested and going all the way to Rome because of this. That, uh, he's writing this letter, probably thinking about exactly why he's in, on house arrest uh, because of the walls of separation. On the, on the wall of separation between the Gentiles court and, uh, and everything else, there was a sign, you can see a couple of these signs Uh, in museums. One of the museums is in Jerusalem. But this is what the sign said. It said, no foreigner may enter within the barricade, within this four-foot wall, which surrounds the sanctuary and enclosure. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. I mean, that's just how egregious of a crime it was. And what I love is Paul, as he's writing this, again, most likely thinking why he's even on house arrest, he's saying this, guess what? In Christ, there are no walls. (laughs) He says, there are no walls of separation. Through Christ, we all have access to the Father. That's what he says in verse 18. For through him, through Jesus, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. This is an important truth. So important, in fact, uh, that it it is one thing that uh, can distinguish uh, certain theological beliefs in Christianity and in uh, just in religions as a whole is called the priesthood of the believers. The Bible teaches us that uh, you don't have to go to a priest in order to have access to God. You are the New Testament priest. All of us are New Testament priests, and there's no one in our church who has more access to God than you do. uh, All of us have the same access to God by the Holy Spirit. And you might think, well, Pastor, the things you see in the Bible, I could never see those things. You must have some kind of special access to God that I don't have. The truth is, this is my job, okay? I get to study the Bible for a living, and I get to understand those things. And sometimes we look at people uh, who are Christians and, and maybe sitting next to us in church, or we see how they live, and we go, man, they are such good Christians, and they live such godly lives, and they seem to know all about the Bible, and they must have some special access to God that I don't have. But the truth of the matter is, they're They're just using the same access we all have probably more than you are. Does that make sense? Those who seem closer to God, it's not because they have more access to God. It's because they take advantage of the access that we all have to God. This is, impor- this is the importance of what we see when Jesus died on the cross and the uh, veil was rent from top to bottom in the temple. When that took place, Uh, It signified that there was now access to the Father, that we can dwell in the presence of God Almighty at any time. You don't have to be a Jew to do so. You don't have to be a man to do so. You don't have to be a high priest to do so. When that veil was torn, it it was God inviting all of us, come and be in my presence. And all of us have that access to his presence. This is great news. Uh, We were separated, but in Christ, there is no separation. There is 
integration. We are made one and we have the same access to God by his spirit. And so if you ever hear a minister tell you that you have to go to him in order to get to God, just know the Bible doesn't teach that. Uh, there, there's a certain uh, religion, I, I wouldn't even call it a, a sect of Christianity, but a certain religion called Mormonism that uh, is, is uh, I was reading some of Joseph Smith, the founder of it this week, just looking at this idea that uh, they believe that you do not have full access to the priesthood unless after being uh, interrogated by their prophets and their uh, priests and all that, and then ultimately getting to be in the temple, a Mormon temple, that you don't have full access to the priesthood unless you go through all of those steps. We just read, there are no walls of separation, but that we all have one access, the same access to God by the Spirit. But another aspect of this integration is given for us, I believe, in the next portion of the passage. Not just that we all have one access. There are no walls of separation that say, well, this person has better access to God than you. There is none of that anymore. Jew or Gentile, we all have access to God. But Paul then gives us this thought. We were foreigners, but now we're family. Okay? When he says we're now integrated, we are now one, we are all now brought together, he says we were foreigners, but now we are family. This is another thing that would be a big deal because not only was Judaism a religion all about separation, but by calling both Jews and Gentiles family, that meant they needed to spend time together. Uh, why is that a big deal, Pastor? Well, think about who the Gentiles are to the Jews. Not only they're thinking about Gentiles, but practically, thinking, practically speaking, Think about who the Gentiles are to the Jews, the history that is here. The Gentiles to the Jews are the Egyptians, the ones who had them enslaved, right? The Gentiles to the Jews are uh, the Persians, the Babylonians, the people who uh, exiled them from their own uh, land. Uh, the, the Gentiles are the Philistines and the Moabites. The Gentiles are the Romans, the ones who are taxing them heavily. Okay? To them, practically speaking, those people, okay, that, that's really what they're saying when they're like uncircumcision of the circumcision. When they're doing that, they're basically saying us and those people. Those people are the ones who oppressed us and enslaved us and tax us even now. That's who those people are. And then to the Gentiles, the Jews were this super religious zealot-like people who did all kinds of weird ceremonies, who ate weird dietary, uh, according to weird dietary restrictions. They dressed differently than everyone else. They were a little hyper and weird in their religious devotion. And uh, I think about even Gentiles, the whole circumcision, uncircumcision thing. They, in their mindsets, they would have thought, I mean, th they're so crazy. They brutalized their children with circumcision, okay? That, just think about the, the cultural differences and who these people are to each other. And P Paul is here writing to them saying, hey, 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 you all are family. You're supposed to be spending time together. You're supposed to be worshiping together and growing in the word together. How can that even work? How can that even work? Because of Christ, because of who Christ is and what he did. How can people that are this different serve together and worship together in harmony? This is the beauty of the working of Christ in our hearts. 
And that's what Paul is saying when he talks about all these different people being framed, fitly framed together to make a holy temple in the Lord. Uh, Remember, he's writing to people in Ephesus, and in Ephesus, if you recall in the book of Acts, we saw that there's a huge uh, temple in Ephesus to the goddess Artemis or Diana. And there was all kinds of sensualistic worship taking place to the goddess Diana and uh, the, who was the goddess of fertility. And, and it was this, uh, well, the uh, temple of Diana was one of the wonders of the world in its time. And here's what Paul is saying. You think the temple of Diana is something? I'll tell you about a temple. <laughs> all of these people, Jew, Gentile, male, female, slave, free, all of these people fitly framed together on the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ, and on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets' teachings, moving forward to be a habitation for the Lord God himself. That's a temple. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, Paul is saying this is beautiful, that all of these different people and all of these people who were strangers from each other just because of how they grew up and because of how they were uh, brought up in a certain religion, all of this, they were once strangers. Now we are family because this is where God dwells. We are family. But what I fear for us today as Christians is that today we can hear all of that. We can hear all of that and still find ourselves living in the mindset of those in Adam, dividing ourselves on so many different labels and building up walls between us and others that don't need to be there. And in turn, we end up seeing the body of Christ divided over things as silly and petty as sports teams and political affiliations and all of those things, and race. But can I, can I say this? If you, if you have more in common with an unsaved person who might have the same political affiliation or like the same sports team or be the same race as you, if you have more in common with an unsaved person that has those similarities than you do a Christian, a saved person who might lean differently in some of those areas, something is off. Because of who we are in Jesus Christ, We should have more in common spiritually. Everything we've talked about in Ephesians so far, that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings, that we are adopted and chosen, all of that, we have so much more in common with those who may think and act a little differently than us, but who are Christians, who are saved. We have more in common with them than we should unsaved people who might have other similarities. Why? Well, because Christ, as Paul said, Christ is our peace. Christ is our peace, and with him, there is no Jew or Gentile, male or female, bond or free, red, yellow, black, or white, American, Mexican, German, Norwegian, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, vaccinated or unvaccinated. There is none of that. Man, I shouldn't have said that last one. Now our, now our message is going to get flagged on social media. That's okay. Uh, but we, we, uh, there is none of that in Christ. You say, well, then, Pastor, what is there? Here's what there is in Christ. There's Christian. There's those who are in Christ. And I'm not saying there are not differences between us. I'm, I'm looking at us around right now. We look different. 
Okay, right? There are differences between us. Some of us have lots of hair, some of us don't. Okay, and I'm sorry, I'm not attacking anyone. I'm just saying some of us have uh, just different uh, looks. Some of us have different uh, uh, beliefs uh, uh, politically. Some of us have uh, different uh, hobbies, and we are completely different in a lot of those ways. But what Paul is saying is that those differences, all of those differences, those do not divide us. Those differences actually make our unity in Christ that much more beautiful. The fact that all nations, tribes, and cultures, and tongues can come together and worship the one true living Savior, the the fact that Republicans and Democrats and Libertarians can all meet together and worship the one true Savior, the the reason that uh, people, uh, and I've loved to see this even as I've grown up in church, people who uh, once were living a life of complete crime and they they had been in prison for whatever the case might be, and then on the other side of the pew, the same pew, there being a police officer for however many years, very different choices of life lifestyle and how can they come together and worship in the same atmosphere here's why we are in christ uh i'm i'm pretty passionate myself i'm pretty passionate about my sports teams i truly am i i have my own political leanings i'm thankful to be a baptist i i really am i'm thankful that we're a baptist church and and i'm thankful even that i was raised in memorizing a a king james bible i'm truly grateful that i was but I, none of those things make me better than anyone. None of those things make me better than anyone. And I need to constantly be reminding myself to see others through the eyes of Jesus. Like Rebecca saying right before the message, that one line that says, give us eyes to see each other through your only son. When people come to Ridge Point, When people come to our church, they shouldn't be drawn here because everyone thinks the same, acts the same, and looks the same. That's not why they should be drawn here. The reason they should be drawn here is because one common denominator that trumps everything else is our fellowship in the gospel, our fellowship in Christ. Because of Christ's sacrifice, we are no longer strangers to the promises of God, the peace of God, the presence of God, but also we are no longer strangers to the people of God. We are all one in Christ. So let me ask these two questions and then we'll be done this morning. The first question I would say is this. Is there a wall of separation currently between you and God? What I mean by that is there is something that separates us from God. The Bible tells us that sin, uh, sin separates us from God. In fact, because of our sin, all have sinned, we've come short of the glory of God. Because of our sin, it separates us from a relationship with God and eternal uh, bliss in heaven with God the Father. But the Bible also tells us that wall of separation can come down if we take uh, our faith and place it in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. See, Jesus, God's only son, was sent here to this earth to die on the cross, to pay the penalty of our sin, to give us new life and give us a way to break down that wall of separation and have, once again, communion with God, a relationship with him, and an assurance to know that one day we will live forever in eternity with him. So if there's someone here today that you'd say, you know what, I don't know if I know Jesus Christ as my savior. I don't know if I've ever placed my faith and trust in Christ. Today could be the very day that you do that. And I'm telling you, it is the best decision you could make 
in your life. If you have any questions about it, I'd love to talk with you later after the service. Just find me and I'll show you from the word of God how you can know 100% sure that you're on your way to heaven. But for those of us who do know Jesus Christ as your savior, let me ask you this. Is there a wall between you and someone else whom you are called to love? Is there a wall between us and someone else who we are called to love? Well, who are we called to love, Pastor? Everyone. (laughs) Is there a wall that is dividing us from being able to share the gospel with those who do not know? Is there a wall of separation between us and another Christian that is keeping us from communing in unity and worshiping together to the glory of God the Father? If there is, I pray that this morning in our invitation time that we would get that right with God and just give it over to Him because in Christ, there is none of those distinctions. There's one distinction, saved in Christ. Thank you so much for joining us. A special thanks to those that give generously to our ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. For more information about our ministry, check out our website at wenatchechurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, hit the share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media, and tag us at Wenatchee Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.